Week 14, the Home Dogs Podcast. Mike, Mark, and Travis with you. We're getting down to the end here. Just one more month to go. Four weeks are left in the Westgate Super Contest. Our chase to win the elusive Super Bowl of sports betting. It's not going so well. Two and three last week. We're not going to spend much time on last week's games. Uh, we went one and two on our triple pod lock, which was a, uh, a first in history for the for the podcast. Didn't work out so well. You know, we also took the Los Angeles Chargers at my request, and that was one of the worst performances I've seen in a long time. I think it was the worst performance since they started tracking DVOA ever. 45 nothing against the Pats. So we're not going to dwell too much on last week. 32-30-3 uh, and three overall in the year. We're still in 358th place out of 1,200. So we're above 500. We're not terrible. We're just not, we're not getting it done to uh, sneak into the money here. So we got to really make some moves take some big swings and hope that uh, we can hit here. But it was a great weekend for our local team. So I want to start there are the teams that we're fans of. Let's start with the Jets because the end of that game was just insane. Cover zero. Greg Williams sends the house, obviously gets up the touchdown. Derek Carr to Henry Ruggs gets fired the next day. Mark, a lot of emotions. Maybe kind of want the Jets to win a game as a fan deep down inside of you, but I know you really want Trevor Lawrence. What was the end of that game like? It was just crazy. Yeah, I mean, a, mi- a mix of emotions. Uh, I-, I had bet on the Jets. I think I had them plus uh, seven and a half, so I-, I felt really good about the cover, especially when they went up four. And I was like, oh shit, as a fan, like we probably shouldn't win this game. It's going to take us out of the Trevor Lawrence running. Simultaneously, I, w- I was following the Jacksonville Jaguars game, and they were up, I think, just as the Jets went up, um, or tied the game or something. So yeah, it, it was just like a weird day, but uh, I think it's good good for the Jets in the long run as, as much as it stings, I'm sure, for the players in that locker room. I mean, they, they have to lose because I think that if they wo- uh, win one more game, they're going to be tied with the Jaguars and the Jaguars are going to have the tiebreaker. Um, so they're not going to get the first, the number one pick in that scenario. So I think it's it's for the better for the organization in the long term. I've seen, uh, I think Craig Carton was even tweeting this, that Greg Williams should get, uh, should the Jets get Trevor Lawrence, Greg Williams should get free drinks whenever he goes into a, a Manhattan bar for the rest of his life and should be celebrated. <laughs> what do you think about that, Trav? Do you think he did this on purpose? No. I mean, I think he's just not a good... This is going to be a second 0-16 the team that he's been a part of. Like, I don't think... I don't think he's doing any of this on purpose. I mean, I think he's just a bad coach. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what to say about the defensive call at the end. It's pretty I mean, mind-blowing we, if you want to win the game. The Jets wouldn't, like, go up and then throw the game at the... Like, they wouldn't, like, leave it to that, like... Yeah, minuscule no of that chance of like winning like it's just dumb if you, you were to do that um, yeah totally what does perfect. he have to benefit he's not going to be there next year yeah no. exactly Crazy. but it's just like typical like his personality like almost rex ryan-esque where you just kind of this is the way i coach the defense and call the defense it's <laughs> <Just> totally <laughs> yeah <laughs> this is the way that i coach my defense <laughs> oh and 32 in two of the last four seasons is he the, the only person that's going to be affiliated with two oh and 16 teams I think so. I don't think anyone, I can't think of anyone else on that, the Lions team that he was not a part of. I think those yeah. are the only 3 0 and 16 teams, right? Yeah. Yes. Well, the Jets aren't quite there yet, but yeah. Yeah. Well, well see. we're holding out hope for you. <laughs> Week 17, you better hope the Patriots aren't playoff contention because I could see oh, yeah. Belichick uh, pulling some some shady, shady stuff to prevent Trevor Lawrence from being in the division. But, uh, you know, on the flip side, Trav, our Giants are in first place. I was riding real high after they beat Seattle. I was I was sucked in. I was like, we're we're gonna win this division now. Washington's gonna lose to Pittsburgh. We're gonna host a playoff game. I was like, gimme Tampa, gimme Seattle, gimme LA. We can beat any of those guys at home in January. Then of course the football team goes out the next night and beats Pittsburgh after being down fourteen to nothing. The Steelers just totally pissed that game away. Now we actually have to win some games to clinch this division. I still think the Giants are the slight favorite, obviously because they own the tiebreaker, but the schedule's really hard. What are your emotions right now as a Giants fan? Yeah, I think uh, I felt the exact same way as you did. I was riding real high uh, after that Seattle game. I mean, that was the first time in five years that, you know, football made me feel something besides disappointment for losing bets. Um, so it was uh, it was a lot of fun watching the game and getting really into it again. Um, but then it was a little deflating watching the football team on on Monday. I still think we do. I agree with you. I think we have the slight edge. I mean, particularly if Jones comes back, you know, I think we're a better all around team. I would be curious. I don't have the numbers, but I texted this to you guys uh during the, the football team game but i'd love to know what like the last four game dvoa statistics are for the giants and the redskins because they've been they've both been fabulous uh defensively the giants don't have a ton of talent on defense I, I i didn't think apparently they have more than i thought but the coach has been very impressive i mean they got guys playing i think they got like four rookies and undrafted rookies playing at linebacker 
Um, so it's been really impressive. Uh, you know, Mark, I, I, I did think a little bit about you know, earlier this year with some of the other Giants fans. We were like, yeah, we may as well. Like, we got nothing to play for this year just because we're not that good. So, you know, tank, get a draft pick. And obviously it's way different if you have a franchise quarterback sitting there at one for yourself. But I think I said back then, like at some point you got to start winning games, just establishing a culture of winning. And slowly but surely, for whatever reason, um, I think the Giants have begun to do that. I mean, that's not a game that they would have won in the last five years in Seattle on Sunday. So it just felt good. And it feels like there's a little bit of momentum building here. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, if you, if you have like the right people in place, and I think the hiring of Joe Judge is clearly like uh, he's going to be a really good coach. Then, then yeah, you start winning. Like you, you, they'll, they'll find the right players. Like they'll find the right quarterback. Um, everything will fall into place if you get the, the right culture going. So I, I agree. What's crazy about the the Giants in Washington is that they each have five wins, three, five, and seven. Three of their wins are within the crappy NFC East. Both teams have beaten the Bengals, and then they each kind of had their signature breakout win finally over a good team this past weekend. Those were the first two wins by an NFC East team over a team with a winning record, obviously, with the Giants beating Seattle and Washington beating Pittsburgh. So who knows if that's just a flash in the pan and that's going to be they're going to revert back towards sort of the means that they've established over the first half of the season. But that remains to be seen. And let's start it out. Uh, well, actually, before we start out with the week 14 slate, I want to hand it over to Trav, who's got a little NFL history lesson for us before we get going. So we do this podcast uh, because we enjoy it. And ostensibly, we're here to shoot the shit about lines and gambling, you know, and whatever else is on our minds. But you know, the way I think about the NFL and the way I've been thinking about the last couple of weeks is it's like it's an evolving tapestry. And one of the things that I like the most, and I think you guys do, too, is, you know, the banter we have about the officials that we've seen for years and the announcers and the players and the moments that, you know, in some case, the majority of people have forgotten. Uh, so I think, you know, these things stand out to us because they, they do remind us of all the fun we've had following the NFL over the years since we were little kids. And there's like this sense of continuity in the league uh, when you realize that every player and coach that you see today is in some way connected to you know, every other player that predates them in the in the league. So with that in mind, I just wanted to mention Ray Perkins, who passed away today at 79 years old. Uh, it's an odd one, but I'd heard Ray's name as a kid because he was a Giants coach that predated me. But he's always sort of this interesting figure because he laid the foundation for the Giants franchise. He hired Parcells, Belichick, and Romeo in the early 80s. Uh, that in itself, I think, would obviously be enough. I mean, those are eight Super Bowl wins, I think, between those coaches. Um, but there are a couple other things worth noting, again, in the spirit of kind of providing our friends and listeners some historical context for the league. Uh, so just give you a couple of kind of weird ones. Ray was born the day before the attack on Pearl Harbor in 1941. He played tight end under Bear Bar- Bryant at Alabama, where his quarterbacks were Joe Namath and Ken Stabler. Maybe you've heard of him. He had a short NFL career, played for the Colts in Super Bowl V in the AFC Championship game that, that year. He caught a 70-yard touchdown pass from a post-prime Johnny Unitas in the uh, AFC Championship game. In 1979, George Young, shout out Bucknell, uh, took over the organization, the Giants, and installed Ray as the head coach. He took that role from John McVay, who was uh, Sean McVay's grandfather. Uh, His coaching record in New York is not very notable, um, but as I said, he hired those coaches. Then in 1982, in December, when the Giants were in the playoff hunt, Bear Bryant retired at Alabama, and that day, Ray Perkins announced that he would retire from the Giants and coach Alabama, which he did relatively uneventfully for four years. So Ray Perkins, weird guy. You'll see his name across the ESPN ticker today or whatever, but he caught passes from Namath, Stabler, and Unitas. He hired two Super Bowl winning coaches, another guy that still coaches in the league today, you know, and he replaced Bear Bryant at Alabama. So you know, these stories like this are all over the league, and I think that's the fun and fascinating part of it. I mean, it's everything's always changing. It's not just about this week or last week, but it's just fun to kind of keep track of this stuff. What a life. Jesus, I, I didn't realize that about him. I, I obviously knew the the Parcells, Belichick connections, but I didn't realize that Alabama history. That's fascinating. He was, uh, I, I, he, his giant career was better than I think, than he gets credit for too. I think he led them to their first playoff appearance in, in like 18 or 19 years. The 70s were like a barren wasteland for yeah. Giants football and he sort of installed that. It is crazy. I was watching some old clips today, just like he straight up left in the middle of the year and said, I'm going back to Alabama and that was it. That would never happen today, I feel like, especially for a team that seemed like it was kind of on the rise, like LT had just gotten there. Sims, he kind of had some success with him. And then he's just like, I guess I guess if you're going to get a chance to follow Bear Bryant, you got to do it, right? I guess. And he said he was from Mississippi and it was his dream to coach his alma mater. And it happened and he took it that day. It's crazy. For Alabama football, I mean, I feel like obviously the Bear Bryant years were phenomenal. And then the Nick Saban years now, like is that in between period just all bad? Pretty much, including Perkins's time there. They beat Michigan in the 97 Alamo Bowl, I remember. Um, 
I don't think it was all bad. I, I don't know if they how many national championships they won or whatever, but they, you know, had a couple of coaches. They had Gene Stallings was there for a while. He was okay. Wasn't you know, so Shula there? Back, but at some point, you know, Mike Shula. Yeah, that was relatively unsuccessful. I think. Yeah, I think Perkins actually like uh, I was looking at his Wikipedia page today. I think I saw like a nice Sun Bowl and like a Citrus Bowl, a couple nine, ten win seasons, but you know nothing like the the standard that that Saban set right now. Obviously, in the Bear Brown had back in the day with the uh, yeah. Forest Gump return kickoffs. Yeah, they're Forest run Forest. Uh, I think he was thirty two and fifteen, but his last year he was three and four, and they fired him. And then he went to the Bucks after that too. Yeah, yeah, it's not good there. Yeah. He started before he came to the Giants. He coached in San Diego with uh, Don Coriel, who they, I think his nickname was like Air Coriel. And he was kind of the first with Fouts, like throw the ball all over the place coach. Love it. Ray Perkins. So maybe, maybe, that, uh, maybe that should have been at the end, but whatever. No, hey. that's cool. I mean, yeah, that's really cool. I, I think about when I was like growing up a Jets fan, going to Jets games like in the late 80s, early 90s. Uh, the coach at the time was Joe Walton. And I just remember the fans chant, chanting Joe Musco. And I, I thought it was like Joe Musco, like that was his last name, but it's they were saying Joe Musco, Joe Musco. They wanted him fired. So that's it. You guys have a more uh, interesting history, I guess, with Perkins than, than I do with the, the Jets with Walton. I guess after uh, after Parcells left, it, like the, the coaches that stand out in my memory as a Giants fan are Ray Hanley and Dan Reeves yeah. and Fossil. So more than than Parcells. So you know, by the time he was he was gone, I was already starting to like football and only kind of knew the 86 and 90 giants as from like videotapes. So in the spirit of that, I want to fade the shit out of the giants this week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Arizona was only laying one and a half in the contest. I think it's still two and a half in most places. So I'm guessing they're anticipating a lot of giants action coming in this week. I think people are going to be all over them thinking their defense is great. Their defense is really good, but met- the metrics say otherwise a little bit. There's just no way. I mean, NBC just flexed uh, the Giants to Sunday night in week 15 against the Browns. So I feel like they're totally due to fall flat on their face before they, they hit that spotlight. And I, I do think they'll actually play well against the Browns in that game. But I'm, I'm expecting a letdown spot here in between coming back across the country after beating Seattle, riding high with Colt McCoy. It sounds like Daniel Jones is going to play. I don't know how mobile he's going to be. Maybe that's an advantage. And I just think that the cards are due here. They, they have not really played good football in five, six weeks. Their only win since late October, I believe, is the Hail Mary game uh, with uh, Murray to Hopkins. So what do you think, Trav? Should, is this the week to fade the Giants? I think a lot of people are going to be on them here. Yeah, I think people are going to be all over the Giants. I, I agree. My first, my gut instinct is to want to fade them. I wouldn't stand in the way of it. It's not a game that I circled for Arizona just because I think uh, Giants are going to be very popular. I agree with you. I mean, I guess the issue is, uh, Arizona just hasn't done anything in the last couple of weeks trying to get there against the spread. I mean, they haven't covered in their last five games, so maybe they're just very due. But as a road, slight road fave, just seems a little tricky. Yeah, I was thinking, like, is Arizona? Are we sure they're they're good? I mean, I think they're six and six. They they really should be five and seven with that hail mary game. Um, the Giants five and two in their last seven games. Uh, the losses were by a combined three points. I, I would consider it just because I, I do think people are going to be on the Giants, but I I don't know. This this Arizona team, something seems off. Um, I did see they're getting Larry Fitz back this week, so maybe with him, leadership and all that uh, will help, but I, I just don't know about the line value. Um, it seems like a toss-up. That's fair. I just think it's more of a fade the Giants spot than a back the Cardinals spot, but maybe the way they defended Russ last week will work against uh, Kyler. They seem to have... I've never seen Russell like so flummoxed like scrambling around in the pocket not being able to find everybody open not being able to scramble for first down it was crazy it was like a genius game plan so i mean how many sacks did they have last week the five five wow it was interesting too because they would like send a first pass rush and then the further that russ dropped back and tried to buy himself time it's like i, I just remember a couple of plays he spun around and there was like a second, like a linebacker or somebody coming in late with like late pressure too, which was just interesting. I don't know if that was on purpose or uh, I don't know what it was, but it was it was the right game plan. Whatever it was, it worked. Well, Seattle gets to get right this week. Uh, I'm not advocating for this game. Just wanted to bring it up since we're tying up all our loose ends here with our with our local teams. But Seattle's laying 13 and a half against the Jets. Not sure 
either side here's really in play for me but I'm curious if uh, you have any thoughts mark yeah I actually had a uh, light circle on Seattle uh, I'm wondering I think people are gonna be scared off this game because it's it's such a big line or maybe they'll, they'll be on the Jets especially after we, last week's performance but I, I just think like the, the players in that locker room it just seems like such a such a letdown spot I mean if, if you listen to some of the quotes after last week's game against the Raiders uh, people were pretty de- devastated they had people calling out Greg Williams uh, calling out the coaching I, I feel like when the Jets have played close games this year and we, we've taken them in a couple um they've usually followed it up with with a dud the next week so now they you know after playing at home against the raiders they had a close game now they gotta go across the country to play a seattle team that's pissed off because they lost last week seems like uh denzel mims might be out marcus may their safety their leader their captain on defense might be out i don't know i, I would consider this the seahawks i know it's a big line but uh curious what curious what you guys think yeah i kind of agreed and i and, I, and, and for the, all we can make fun of greg williams like the defense actually played really hard throughout the season game in and game out for him i mean they would make stupid penalties and and that's probably more on the the coaching and he obviously coaches his players to rough the passer and he maybe dials up the wrong blitzes in times but they've played really hard the last few weeks so i'm wondering what the effect will be and i know i saw a couple tweets from guys who were angry when he got fired and then they got quickly deleted i think quinnon williams had one so i i would definitely entertain seattle i think it's a big fave that people aren't going to take and uh, the more I think about it and that you like it makes me like it even more. What do you think, Trev? Yeah, I mean, the Jets have covered, and you guys mentioned this, but they've covered three of their last four games. So they've been playing tough. I mean, if everyone hated Greg Williams and he got fired, I mean, I don't know, maybe they bounce back and play, continue to play hard on defense. It was interesting to me that the line, at least that I saw, was 13 and a half. Is that right in the contest? Yes. So just below two touchdowns is kind of a weird one where it feels like they're trying to get you in on Seattle. Uh, Seattle's one and four against their spread in the last five. The offense feels like, I mean, even beyond the Giants game, they've slowed down pretty significantly in the last month. So maybe this is the get right game, but it's just uh, similar to Arizona. You know, they started out really hot. And then if you look at the production the last couple of weeks, it hasn't been there. It's also interesting, you know, you compare this to the Giants, which I think is a, a tougher team. But, uh, you know, this is giving you three and a half more points with the Jets. and But the over under is a couple points lower. So, again, that 13 and a half relative to a 46 point over under is is an awful lot of points I mean, maybe it's about right but it's uh just jumped out of me a, a little bit it's also interesting to me the jets have put up 27 or more points in three of their last four games i had a light circle on the jets i think i'd be fine going in with seattle but i just you know maybe devil's advocate a couple things to think about there yeah this line opened at 15 too so it has come down a point and a half not that that i don't, I don't know what they're, where they're trying to suck anybody in there but i guess there was some initial jets money that that brought it down Mims is a big loss, as we've discussed. One of the one of the standouts in this in this magical rookie class. Trav, what do you have us sitting atop your board this week? So I got I got a couple square ones. I feel like we tried to get clever last weekend and it didn't work. But you know, one of the games I like a little bit, and it's again some of this you know fading a team off a big win. But I like Pittsburgh getting two and a half on Sunday night. I know it's on the road, so there's no value necessarily. But Pittsburgh off a loss feels like everyone's all over Buffalo this week. Uh, with Allen, who was admittedly great the other night. Um, he lost a fumble, but otherwise protected the ball. I think that's going to be tougher against Pittsburgh, who leads the league in takeaways per game. And interest- interestingly, didn't get any takeaways against Washington on Monday. Uh, so I think the turnover luck balances out. I think Pittsburgh's defense is much better than San Francisco's, given San Francisco's injuries. Um, everyone's riding high with with the Bills. So the Steelers just interested me a little bit here. Uh, I, I could get on board. This Buff- that Buffalo team played so well in that yep. game against the 49ers on Sunday. It uh, it kind of scares me a little bit. And they, they should really be 10-2 and two, uh, instead of 9-3, and three if, if not for that Hail Mary game against Arizona, as we were talking about. Steelers' inter- injuries seem to be mounting, mounting a little bit. They lost their pass rusher, Jermaine uh, Dupree. Um, Bud Dupree. Jermaine Dupree is the rapper. Jermaine Dupree is the rapper. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't quite say it. The Ferrari and Jaguars with your full legs on top down, streaming out money in the bank. Bubble hard in the double law, flashing the rings with the window crack. Holla back, money in the bank. They got some injuries across the offensive line, too. Um, so just maybe a little wary, but I do think Pittsburgh is probably the right side from a value perspective. Yeah, this is number one for me. I, I just think Monday night, Buffalo played an absolutely perfect game against San Francisco, and they not sure they'll be able to scheme up something like that against an angry Pittsburgh team. They, they have lost, uh, and I know they lost Spillane too, who was Devin Bush's replacement, but I think they still have a ton of playmakers on that defense that can make up for it. Pittsburgh, number two overall in DVOA, going up against the number nine team in DVOA. At Buffalo, this has to be one of the first Sunday night games ever in Buffalo. I, I can't remember the last time that the Sunday night crew has been in Buffalo. 
without fans, that really sucks. I don't, I don't think there's going to be any home field advantage there. I love that you're getting two and a half with the better team. This line opened at Pittsburgh, favored by two and a half. So it's flipped five points, which is pretty crazy. Uh, last year, ironically, these teams met late in the season, week 15 on Sunday night in Pittsburgh. Buffalo won that game 17 to 10 and kind of really stung Pittsburgh's uh, late season gasp to make the playoffs without Big Ben. Josh Allen, though, only 139 yards in that game, 13 to 25, really struggled. And they just won because Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges are terrible. Uh, I do think that Buffalo's pass defense can get exposed. They uh, 7.1 yards allowed per pass attempt uh, near the bottom of the league. I think it's a good get right spot for Big Ben and company who they really haven't played well in a couple of weeks. I think they're almost like I think Tomlin almost like wanted that loss so he could kick his team's ass a little a little harder. He was really hard on them after the Thanksgiving or whatever the delayed game against Baltimore. So number one for me, I'm in on it. Steelers have had, uh, I don't know how many drops from their receivers and tight ends the last two weeks, um, but it's got to be at, at least 10, I would think. Um, so you, you got to think they're eventually going to correct that. Um, I think the running game has been an issue. I was reading DVOA. They last like three weeks, they're like minus 50%, which is a really bad metric for, for rushing offense. But uh, it sounds like they're getting James Conner back this week, so maybe they can get right there too. The only other thing I just throw out, it made me think about it because we talked about the Cardinals and now the, the Bills, Mark, you said... Uh, the Buffalo should have won the game against the Cardinals, which is true, but they did score that touchdown with like 30 seconds left, right? Before the Hail Mary. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's like, right to dig, they so. had to drive down late and get it, you know. Yeah, that's fair. I don't know, but, but, but I agree. It's just t- fading a team off of an absolutely perfect game on, uh, on Monday night where everyone's just all over them. I mean, they, Josh Allen looked like, you know, yep. Joe Montana or Tom Brady. He was phenomenal. Yeah, it was a really impressive performance. Obviously, we were going against it. I mean, he was freaking perfect. There was nothing the 49ers could do to either get pressure or or slow him down whatsoever. He was just rolling out and throwing darts. So, I don't know. I think Pittsburgh's a team that can can disrupt that for sure. Uh, I'm going to just throw out another one here. Sort of similar thinking. I just wanted to stay in the AFC uh, North division. I like Baltimore laying one at Cleveland, I think. Speaking of big performances, fading teams off a high, I don't think I think everyone was really loving what Cleveland did against Tennessee in that first half. I'm weary to take another Monday night game because I really hate the crew. I hate waiting to resolve our week until Monday. But I mean, the Browns are still 23rd overall in DVOA, which is crazy. And they're nine and three. They've got to lose one of these times. And I think the Ravens are sort of rounding into form. I don't think they played a great game against Dallas, but they're going to get even more guys back this week that they didn't have in that game. I think a lot of guys, you know, kick some rust off after missing two, three weeks of action against Dallas, and they knew they were going to win that game no matter what they did. So I think Harbaugh's always had success against Cleveland. I think Cleveland's defense is really, really bad. They still gave up a ton of points to the Titans in the second half and kind of fluky first half. They let them get up so big in the first place with a fumble by Henry. And I just think Cleveland got carved up by Jacksonville and Glennon. I don't see why uh, Lamar won't be able to do the same. What do you think here, Trav? Uh, this was a circle I had on Baltimore, too, for most of the same reasons that you mentioned, so I'm not going to reiterate them all. But I saw Wyatt Teller for Cleveland went on the COVID list today. I'm not sure that means he definitely is out over the weekend, but they're legitimately a different rushing team when he plays versus when he doesn't. So if he doesn't play, it's a it's a huge red flag to me for Cleveland. Uh, I still don't totally trust the Baltimore offense, and this may be a little bit square, but I'm I'm definitely ready to fade Cleveland here. I agree. I, I feel like the the Baltimore offensive line um, scares me, and just ja- Jackson, if if they fall behind, um, you know, he just doesn't seem like he's the quarterback kind of quarterback can come from come from behind. Um, so that, that just made me a little wary. Um, last year, these teams split. Uh, obviously, the the Ravens won into Cleveland earlier this year, and and, and one that blew them out. So it, it seems like kind of a revenge game for for the Browns, but hard not to like Baltimore. I think so. I think I'm with you guys. Yeah, Ravens still have the number one rushing offense in the NFL. It was. It looked pretty, pretty freaking good when it gets rolling, and they do have the full complement of backs healthy now. Ingram's finally back and healthy. Dobbins looks really good. He's getting better each and every week, and and uh, Mr. Gus Edwards from Rutgers has been really impressive as well. So, how about Justin Tucker m- missing that that chip shot field goal? Last yeah, that's that shocking. Joe Buck jinxed the shit out of him. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> sure did. He was singing his praises for like 10 minutes after that the first penalty, and there was some delay right before he kicked that first one. Tucker won't <laughs> miss this week, not when we're on him. What do, you, what do you got for us, Mark? I don't think we know your top play. Uh, yeah, so top play. I was on him last week. I'm doing pretty decently the last few weeks. Um, I like Jacksonville, plus 7.5 
at home versus Tennessee. It's kind of tough taking this Jacksonville team, but I feel like they've been frisky since Glennon's taken over as quarterback. He's he's definitely competent. I don't get why Tennessee would be made laying this many points on the road in Jacksonville. It's a division game. The, the highest they've laid all year is seven uh, in Cincinnati uh, on the road. Jags beat the Titans at home last year. Uh, they played them close in week two. I think it was 33-30 was the, the final score. Looks like the dollars and bets are coming in on Tennessee right now, so I'd like to keep riding the Jags. Titans uh, wide receiver Adam Adam Humphreys on on IR too. So yeah, Jacksonville is my the fourth team on my list. Um, I like it. Tennessee is 0-3 against the spread as a road favorite this year, so they're a seven and a half point road fave here. It's way too many points, like you said. Uh, I expect them to bounce back somewhat off the Cleveland loss and win the game, but still getting over a t- touchdown. Uh, I think it's pretty good value for the for the Jags. It's a shame they always play from behind too, the Jags because. You guys have mentioned it before, but that ru- that running back is very good. They have a good rushing attack, um, but I'll, I'll still take my chances here. I like the Jags. All right, I guess I can get involved. I, I my only fear is just we're 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 late taking the Jags, not listening to Mark sooner on wanting them either last week or even the week before when we took Cleveland and went against them. So I hate striking while a team's coming off back to back covers and and close games and and how long they can keep keep that sort of stamina up and playing these teams close, but divisional matchup, maybe there's no reason they can't get up for this game. And obviously they're playing hard from a run, even though they continue to lose game after game after game. Do you think that because of the way that the Titans fought back against Cleveland, like, you know, there's no impact or no strength thing. you know, we like buying teams off a loss and fading teams off a win. So, you know, that would tell you off a loss, we would kind of be more interested in Tennessee, but do you think, cause they fought back so hard and played, you know, put up enough points in the end that, uh, you know, people won't be buying them off of that loss. Yeah, maybe. I, I don't. I honestly feel like this will be a very low-picked game on both sides in the contest, right? I don't. Yeah. I don't know why you would want to get involved laying seven and a half with Tennessee, or uh, no, nobody really picks the Jags every week anyway. So, I think. I think either side will be unique, and if we like the home dog, we might as well go for it. Getting seven and a half. There's a bunch of other dogs getting similar points, and it's probably my favorite one of that group. So, I can be convinced. I was looking, uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Pythagorean win expectation stat. Have you guys ever heard like Barnwell talk about yeah. that? Yeah. So apparently the Jags should, should uh, based on their, their stats and adjusted for schedules, should have uh, closer to three wins instead of one, um, just based on the averages of Pythagorean, that Pythagorean stat. So that's, that was kind of interesting. What's the Jets? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I imagine one now that they should have okay. won last week, right? Uh, I don't know, though. <laughs> All right, we'll keep that around. We've had success in that division, and I feel I feel like we have missed our chance to take uh, Marone. And a few times we have taken them, it hasn't worked out. Uh, so yeah, Trav, what uh, what else you got listed up high? Pittsburgh, Jacksonville, and Baltimore were all in my top five. Uh, next one, I guess, would be Miami getting seven at home against the Chiefs. It's always terrifying going against the Chiefs, and they uh, I didn't look at you know how often they've covered in the last couple of games. It doesn't feel like a lot, so. Uh, maybe we've missed the chance to fade them. Miami played in a slop fest against Cincinnati last week, but they're seven and one in their last eight games. They're nine and three against the spread on the year, and they're two and one as a home dog. Kansas City's two and three at, uh, against the spread as a road fave. They didn't play great the other night, and uh, they still had some points taken off the board, though the game should have been worse than it was. But I still like Miami. Um, they've been hot. Defense is pretty good, uh, and maybe it's just again too late to to go against the Chiefs. But that was high on my list for a them getting seven points at home. Yeah, I kept going back and forth on this game. I'm, I'm wondering if Miami's going to be the like trendy dog of the week. It, yeah. It's hard to read right now. I haven't been impressed with two. I think we, we all haven't. But uh, Miami, for whatever reason, just just keeps covering. They're they're nine and three against the spread on the season. That's the best in the NFL. I mean, I could I could get on board. I, I feel like Forrest would would copy the the same game plan that Belichick uh, put in place when they when they played the Chiefs. Um, and it, it was actually pretty effective. Like they held the, the Chiefs mostly in check. It, it seems like these teams are just kind of letting KC get a bunch of first downs and then they uh, kind of stall in the red zone um, and then when they're on offense they just play ball control so you know they, they can keep the game close I wouldn't be shocked my my only slight worry I guess is is, is Tua I just don't think he's that good although I did, I did think he played pretty well against the Bengals his completion percentage was really high he was getting the ball out really quickly the, the few times that that game flipped over on the red zone channel and and looked pretty good defense is obviously always really good I just don't like now that Pittsburgh lost. Casey has this opening now to fire to that number one seed. So they, re- if, they if there's a time to really turn it on, I know Andy Reid's record late in the year is really good. So that scares me. I mean, last week, whatever it was, a divisional opponent. Maybe you expect that game to be a little closer than it should, a little sloppier. Vic Fangio obviously plays the the Chiefs hard, not necessarily well, but they had a good game plan in that game, and and the Chiefs were sloppy. 
maybe they get things cleaned up as they go on the road here to Miami, a stadium where they have some some very good memories from uh, just a short, few short months ago. Interesting, though, this week, Nance and Romo are calling this game at one o'clock. And then Buck and Aikman are calling a game at one o'clock as well. They're doing the uh, they're doing the Minnesota Tampa Bay game. I've never really seen that where both networks are putting their A team in the one o'clock window and in, in games that won't be broadcast all across the country. And then who knows what happening what's happening in the four o'clock slate. And there's a ton of four o'clock games this week, and then there's only seven at one o'clock. So just interesting. I've never really seen that happen before. To- totally bizarre. Did Did you guys know uh, Travis Kelsey is? Second in the league in receiving yards. He's five yards behind DK Metcalf. Wow. It's pretty Same. great. I mean, he's got the most, he's on pace at the most receiving yards by a tight end by like 15 or 20% or something crazy. Him Same. and Tyreek are terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> so Ty- Tyreek's third in the NFL in, in yards. Maybe yeah. he would have passed him if he caught that, if he would have challenged that phantom Me. touchdown that he had on Sunday night too. That was nuts. Speaking of something I've never seen, I've never seen a player catch a ball but not realize that he caught it. Never. <laughs> Pretty amazing. He's so freaking fast. Chiefs haven't covered right. in the last four, by the way. Does that, that make you less inclined? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I just figured I <laughs> yeah. should put it out there because probably it tells me they're going to cover this weekend. It doesn't make me feel good, but yeah. I'm just, I mean, they're playing. A, these games are all close. I mean, they won by two, four, three, and then Denver by six. I mean, that's not the sign of a team, team that's firing on all cylinders. I'd say that. No, it's really not. I just feel like like they can fire on all cylinders just in a blink of an eye. That's that's my worry. Every year it feels like there's teams like that where you kind of wait for them to turn it on. And they may not lose for the rest of the year, but they also may not kind of get to that point where they're just blowing everybody out. Yeah, that's fair. Maybe they know they don't have to either. What, which of the two Florida home dogs do you guys like better? I think I think I actually leaned Jacksonville where I thought it was more Miami coming in. But after breaking those two down, I think I like the Jags better. I agree. All right. Uh, I'm going to throw another home dog out here. This one also near the top of my list. And it's the Las Vegas Raiders getting three at home against the Colts. I think people are going to be pretty down on on the Raiders. They should have lost that game to the Jets. They played really poorly the week before that in Atlanta. Uh, I think the Colts won a sloppy game in Houston against a bad team. The week before that, they got smoked by Tennessee at home. And then, you know, they had that fluky comeback against the Packers that probably shouldn't have happened if it wasn't for some uh, some great officiating. So I do think Rivers has played really pretty poorly overall. I think the Colts defense is kind of getting exposed. Their run defense is really good, but pass defense can be uh, can be had. And I think Carr and, and Waller and, and Ruggs, they, those guys are playing really well right now. So I'd like to uh, back the Gruden grinders at home and getting the three points as a uh, nice live home dog there. Mark, what do you think? Yeah, I, I like this game as kind of a buy-low spot uh, on the Raiders. Um, they're coming off back-to-back East Coast trips. Indy's offensive line is, is pretty banged up. I think their their left tackle, Anthony Constanza, has been out. And then now his backup, uh, I think he tore his Achilles this week. So Rivers, not not that mobile of quarterback. So I, if the Raiders can get after uh, Rivers, I, I don't know. I, I think it's, it's a good, good buy-low spot in the Raiders. Josh Jacobs should be back as well. I actually don't get why like Indy's even favored in this game. Um, I know, obviously, the Raiders have struggled the last few weeks, but I feel like these teams are closer to even. What do, what do, what do you guys think? Yeah, I agree. The trends are weird, too. Fifty Bets are 50-50, and close to 90% of the money is on Indy. So, I mean, line opened to 2.5. It's risen to 3. Indy was a top-five consensus play last week, laying 3.5 at Houston and covered. It's it's weird. I I think Indy's been a very popular like team for, quote-unquote, sharps all year long, and they've come through. I just think this is a good, good spot to fade them. What do you think, Trev? Yeah, I mean, I didn't have either side of the game circled. The trends did jump out at me here because there's so few games where you have this major dispersion between the percent bets and the money. So it tells you all the sharps are on the Colts. You know, Raiders would be a team that Rivers is very familiar with. The Colts are four and one against the spread as a road favorite, which I think is kind of interesting. The flip side of that is Vegas is two and two as a home dog. So I don't know. It's not a game that I was on. I agree. It feels like there's value on the Raiders, but, you know, Indy kind of methodically is going through the motions after a couple of rocky starts or a couple of rocky games. They're just kind of beating everyone in their in their path. So I could definitely get on board with the Raiders, but it just surprised me um, a little bit that that percent of the money was on the Colts here. Now that you say that, I, I wonder if they could be a trendy dog this week, almost like uh, San Francisco was last week against Buffalo. I could see it. I could definitely see it. Yeah. Feels like there's a, a lot little... of teams that we're talking about where it's like 
you know, they played well in the early part or mid part of the season. They've had a couple of rough weeks and we expect them to bounce right back and maybe they will, or maybe, you know, like the cards, like we're kind of saying, okay, the cards are going to bounce back and play better than they have in the last couple of weeks, but maybe they're just not that good. Yeah. Last week was very deflating just overall. Cause I feel like we actually like got back to basics a little bit and, and didn't take any quote unquote square games. And unfortunately, like all the games we took were still top 10 plays in the contest aside from the Giants. So it makes me rethink Do we need to go to like another level of of thinking, like maybe everybody else in the contest thinks like we kind of thought the last two to three years and had some success with that. But now we need to need to change things up. And I don't I don't necessarily know what that means. I don't know if it means go against the money or take lines where they're not moving in your favor and you're getting a worse line in the contest than you are in real life. I don't know. I, I guess I'm just I'm just really I'm really deflated because <laughs> we stink. Well, it, it, I, I feel like it's tough. It's like you you have to. On the one hand, you should stick with the same process over the course of the entire season, and things will even out. But if you have one bad week or two bad weeks in a row, it's kind of hard to kind of continue to stick with that process. So I, I get it. Um, I don't know what the right answer is. I've been searching for the last five years. We've been in this contest, <laughs> and there's a shitload of home dogs this week too. So. There's obviously ones for us to find, and there's ones that are going to be really popular in the contest. I'm just having a hard point pinpointing which ones those might be. I'm guessing you're right. Raiders is probably one of them. Maybe Miami's even one of them. Cleveland, I guess, technically is a home dog. They could be pretty popular. I have, I don't know, I guess. I mean, I, I could actually see there being two-way action on on this game, at least for the, the San Francisco game that we're talking about that that uh, was number one in the contest last week. Um, they were coming off a big win uh, against the Rams. They covered in that game. Here, the Raiders are coming off a win, but they didn't cover. It was kind of an ugly win. So I do wonder if, if people might be off them a little bit. Um, I don't know how trendy it's going to be. And Buffalo absolutely was a top 10 play last week as well. So both sides are popular in that game. We still got a lot of games that we haven't got to. Uh, there's still nine more games on the slate. These full non-buy weeks are, are grueling to get through. I still have a couple listed. One that I, I sort of like but don't love is the Vikings getting six and a half in Tampa. Tampa's off a bye, so who knows what the hell they figured out over two weeks. I kind of feel like Brady and Arians just probably used that two weeks to get some space from each other because clearly they're not on the same page. I don't know. I think the Vikings are just one of those teams that play better as a dog than a than a favorite, and it's as simple as that. I don't I don't know if it's a great case to take it, but a lot of metrics still like Minnesota. They're still pretty high in DVOA. They're still pretty high in a lot of other people's uh, statistical rankings. So I, I'm still down to fade old man Tom. Although this is probably his first non four o'clock or primetime game in a while. But maybe it's the get right spot that they need to make this final playoff push. But I think six and a half is just too much for them to be laying with the way they've they played going down the stretch. And their defense didn't even look that good as of late either. You guys have any thoughts here? I, I just can't. I can't figure out the Vikings. So I don't really analyze them closely every week. I mean, I like they've. You know, one five out of six games is pretty impressive, even though there's some bad teams looped in there. I mean, I think your perspective is probably right on being a time to fade Tampa, but I, I just I, I have no read on the Vikings, so I just abstained. Uh, I, I had a light circle on the Vikings. Kind of interesting. I, I just feel like the, the public and everybody uh, overrates this Bucks team. I mean, I know they're three in DVOA, uh, but like you said, Mike, Minnesota's uh, up there too. I think they're 15th, but their specials are really bringing them down. Vikings haven't covered in three straight weeks. Arians is just two, three, and one against the spread off a bye. I, I, I could get involved just uh, strictly as I don't think it's going to be that popular. Vikings seem like a, a decent team, but um, it's not, I don't have strong conviction. Only stat I would throw out is Tampa appears to have on paper the best running defense in the league, and Minnesota with Cook and Madison. You know, I don't know. I always like their running game, so maybe those, maybe those things balance out. Jefferson's amazing too. Yeah, he's been really really impressive the last few weeks. He catches everything, and he's somehow always wide open every single time the ball is thrown to him. Don't don't need to force it. I just, just one that stood out to me. I thought it was too many points. Mark, do you have any other games that you had a, a strong circle on? Yeah, I'd like to add Dallas. Um, I think they're minus three and a half at Cincinnati. This is strictly only if uh, Ryan Finley is going to play. I, Why I, Ryan Finley? I, I feel like he is beyond terrible. Um, I was just looking at like Aaron Schatz tweeted out some some stats about him. Um, he, he has like a minus 160% DVOA quarterback rating. I don't know. I actually thought Dallas's offense looked pr- pretty decent last week, um, uh, this past week against uh Baltimore Bengals lost another offensive lineman this week. Um, John Williams. I think this Bengals team is is, is cooked. And if it's going to be Finley, kind of like the Cowboys. Um, and I don't think it'd be that popular either. Yeah, I agree. I just don't. I, I would be fine with Brandon Allen, too. I mean, he's been 
an absolute train wreck in two games that he's played. Granted, he's played against some pretty good defenses in the Giants and the Dolphins, but I think the offense as its own has only scored seven points against the Dolphins. And in that Giant game, they only scored three points until that late touchdown to get the backdoor cover. So I I agree. I think the Bengals are cooked. I, I don't think either of those quarterbacks can get the ball to any of the receivers that they have that can make plays. I don't know if Joe Mixon's ever coming back this season. I don't know why they would force him to at this point, just sit out the rest of the year. They don't really have any running backs, don't have a defense, don't really have an offensive line. So the flip side is if, if there's any any defense that's going to make even the worst of offenses and the worst of quarterbacks look good, it's going to be this Dallas unit. And I don't know really what they have to play for either. It seems like they've, they've kind of quit on Mike Nolan too on that side of the ball at least. But I do like the Andy Dalton revenge game coming back to Cincy. You know, he's going to keep throwing and try and uh, score as many touchdowns as he can here. I just don't. It's tricky. I don't want to watch this game. But we do have Hussey on the stripes in this one for you, Trav. So what do you think? Yeah, I mean, it it feels like, I agree, it could be unique in the contest playing Dallas, but minus three and a half on the road feels a little bit square for a team that has not been good. I mean, you talk about playing good defenses. Here's Cincy's last four defenses. They played against Pittsburgh, Washington, the Giants, and the Dolphins. So yeah, maybe the offense is cooked, or maybe they've just been playing you know, four of the best six or seven defenses in the league, and it's tough to gauge. I mean, I'm not saying that you're going to get anything out of Finley or Allen, but you know, Dallas has a way of making other offenses look uh, look capable. So I just throw that out there. I feel like I'm just being devil's advocate or on a lot of these things, but... Um, no, that's, good. that's good no, to no, have. No. Um, we need reasons not to take games because we have too many written down right now. So, Do, do you guys think, uh, assuming since he uh, wins maybe one or two games, uh, that, that their coach gets fired or no? Zach Taylor? I personally don't think necessarily. I don't know. He sh- in in some respects, he should get blamed for the Joe Burrow injury, and and I guess Burrow did play well under him too. So maybe he should get some credit for that. Also, I did think they had a really really nice pass attack, and even running attack when Mixon was playing too. It's just the defense has no no talent whatsoever, and I don't think he seems to be involved in that side of the ball. So we'll see. There's gonna be there could be a lot of openings. It's crazy. I mean, I think did they get one in fifteen last year? The the Bengals, yeah. I think, and and now they're two and nine this year. So he's going to get a third season after winning a combined three, four games, which is crazy to think. They're used to it in Cincinnati, so I don't know if it phases them at all. Uh, Trav, do you, you got any other games listed for us here? Uh, yeah, talking of ones that are super square, I think I've been on this team way too much this year, suggested it. I don't think we've played them that much, but Green Bay laying seven and a half in Detroit. Rodgers in the dome against Daryl Bevel. Um, Trufant's out in the Detroit secondary, and Danny Shelton's out on the defensive line. Detroit's 0-3 against the spread as a home dog this year. Green Bay's 2-1 as a road fave. Detroit's got the fourth worst passing defense in the league. Uh, if Galladay's not going to play, it's just one I would just kind of keep an eye on. I agree with everything you said. Yeah, I, I could get involved. Uh, sorry, Mike. Yeah, no, that's it. Lane 7.5, I think it'll be unique. And yep. I, I do like fading the Lions after they had their little coach bump win and they didn't even deserve to win that game. That was just a Trubisky, Bears, Nagy special, so... The early uh, analytics talk uh, on Bevel's offense was that he runs on every first and second down. So um, seems like he's not doing the right things. <laughs> not, not what you want to hear in this day and age. Uh, all right, let me see what I, what else. Well, you got oh. Adrian Peterson. <laughs> you know, you got him now. True. I do like DeAndre Swift, and if he's back, that too, would scare me a little bit. He's not going to play this bit. week, apparently. At least last I saw. Oh, okay, great. That would that would help my case even more. Your case too. What else do we got here? I got one more I want to throw out, and it sucks to throw it out. Chargers, just, just a buy low spot after the, the drubbing last week. Um, Trav, I can't remember the stat you threw out a couple weeks ago after the Lions got shut out against the, the Panthers, but these teams that, that uh, are shut out the prior, the prior week usually perform a lot better the next week. Strictly just a, a buy low spot in the Chargers. What, what do you guys think? Well, it's a buy low spot for both teams, and I'd rather not. I'd rather not be involved in this game. I, both these teams just were so bad this past week, watching them up close and rooting for them, and we took them both. Uh, I saw Anthony Lynn is taking over special teams this week, so you know now he can leave his <laughs> his fantastic imprint on that on that side of the ball. Also, uh, I, 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 don't I don't know. I think it's necessarily a buy low spot on on the the Falcons. I mean, I, I had this light circled on on the Chargers as well. I mean, you know, the Falcons, you know, they've lost to the 
Saints twice in the last two weeks, but they have three other wins besides that. Chargers a home dog getting, unfortunately, less than a field goal. It's two and a half points, right? Yeah. Um, it, the New England game was one of those you just throw it away. Like it just got, it was so crazy that it's not even worth considering. It doesn't mean anything to me, but I could definitely see people putting too much stock in that and then picking against the Chargers. Chargers, eighth best team in the league in opponents' yards per pass attempt. And Matt Ryan stinks. You know, we hated betting on him last weekend. It was brutal to watch, even though they had a chance there at the end. Uh, for all their weapons, the Falcons are middle of the pack and uh, in, in their passing offense. And Lynn stinks, like you said. And I hate the kick, kicking matchup here for the for the Chargers. That's my big red flag. It's a uh, coup revenge game. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it's crazy that Atlanta's minus two and a half after last week's game. The Chargers were pick them against the Patriots. Yeah, yeah, that's I know. But let's not let's remember what the Falcons did to us because they were they should have won that game. They were down twenty one sixteen. It's second and two inside of a minute. Second and two at like the seven yard line, and <laughs> they decide to run Gurley two plays in a row and somehow lose a combined eight yards on those fucking plays and and don't win the game, don't score, <laughs> and and that's it. So dirt cutter. I guess I'd be happy to go against them this week, but how did the Chargers not score a single fucking point against the Patriots? (laughs) That defense is so bad. Ah, baffling. I I do think it's kind of a a letdown spot for for the Falcons. I feel like they got up for that divisional game against their big rival. Um, Now they got to take a big flight across the country. I I don't know. I, I think it'll be unique. I would be in on it. I'm surprised that you guys like it, and I'm the one who forced the Falcon the Chargers down your throats last week. So. I guess I should should listen and, and we should just ride with the with Aylin company again. I'm going to throw out another team we took last week that that kind of intrigued me and I don't love it either. But I had a light circle on the Niners lane three at home, I guess, in Arizona against Washington. They've now had a couple of weeks to make Arizona their home. This line opened up at four and a half. I just think it's a letdown spot for Washington. I think the San Francisco defense and, and Robert Sala will have a better chance of containing Alex Smith than they did against Josh Allen. I don't think that offense is nearly as explosive or unique, especially if that Gibson running back is out. I just like the bounce back spot for, for Shani after getting embarrassed on Monday night, but I don't need to force this one either. I don't know if you guys had any thoughts. I don't really. I mean, I think, I think your, your perspective is probably right. The bounce back for the Niners. Um, I, I just love that Washington defense. They've played really well. Uh, yeah. Gibson being out, that, that's a problem. You know, that San Francisco defense, I kept watching those plays the other night, and it was like Salah didn't trust his safeties at all, I felt like. Like, I, that's why they were playing the soft shell. Like, they just weren't letting anything go over the top um, until it did on that touchdown to uh, Diggs or whatever. But it, it, I, the defense just looks bad. Like, I don't know. Everyone talks about Salah, and I think they just, all their talents hurt, and they just look terrible. So... I don't know. I think Washington three is probably the right line. Three is the right line. Forget it. Um, just want to point out we're, we're almost at the 50 minute mark here. And uh, Mark has yet to bring up the Carolina Panthers. Uh, not sure if you have <laughs> thoughts on the uh, Panthers in the contest is only they're only laying three. It's three and a half or four in most places right now against the Broncos. I did see that the Panthers have a bunch of people in the COVID protocols, including DJ Moore. I think McCaffrey might not play. He's got a new quad injury. But rule off a bye, first chance to see your boy off a bye. Who knows what he can do, scheming up. I think it's a letdown spot for the Broncos. Don't love this game at all. I was just curious, your thoughts as our resident rule expert. Yeah, I mean, I, I obviously would like to take them. But uh, again, it's the COVID under uncertainty. I had no idea what to make of the Carolina Panthers roster. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a natural fade spot with the, the Broncos coming off that, uh, that close game against the chiefs, uh, in prime time. So I could always get on board, but, uh, I'm just not sure on the value at three. That's fair. And then the older games we haven't discussed are new Orleans seven point favorites at Philly and Jalen hurts. Uh, you have to take Philly, I guess, if you're going to take a side, I don't want to do that. I, I don't care to take a side either, but it sounds like breeze may be back in this game. Is that accurate? It seemed like a little quick. There's there's a chance. I think they got to see how he's going to look on Thursday and Friday with the ribs and the throwing. But there is a chance. You're right. It's interesting. I, I would I think thought. there's still going to be a lot of Taysom even when he does come back, though. Then why not just let him sit for another week? Yeah, I was pretty unimpressed with uh, Hertz. I, I know he kind of let a little bit of a comeback, but just he just doesn't seem like he knows what he's doing, really. Yeah, we'll see. The Wentz thing is fascinating. Let's see how it's going to play out the rest of the season and the off season. And as a Giants fan, I love every second of it. So good what for the Eagles. 
they're locked into him though. Like he's owed like I don't know how many millions of dollars. They they can't get out of it. So someone was saying today, like if they cut him, his cap hits fifty nine million next year. So they obviously can't do that. But if they trade him, <laughs> if they keep him, his cap hits thirty five. If they trade him, it's only thirty four. So like you think, yeah, the thirty four cap hit to trade him sucks, but it'd be thirty five if he was there sitting on the bench and you were playing Jalen Hurts. So if you can maybe attach a pick and send him to the Colts, who then have to take on that contract. I don't know if they would. No, I'm they're just, still going to have to pay some of the contract. I mean, no team is going to yeah, pay enough. Yeah, 49ers. I'm just trying to think out loud. Bears of teams that would take a chance on him. Whatever. Screw screw Wentz and screw that game. He's screwed us over so many times this freaking year. And then uh, Houston, Chicago, I think is the only one we haven't touched on. Texans laying one in Chicago. God, poor Bears fans. I have mm-hmm. nothing else to say, really. I don't. I don't like a side in that game. The Bears are at Jacksonville in Week 16. Uh, I just took a look at the the look ahead line. What do you, What do you think the line is for that game? Bears are three point favorite. I'd say closer to pick them. Yeah, Jacksonville is minus one right, right now. Mm. Crazy. Can you imagine being an underdog to the Jags? <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of interesting. Like, obviously, the Bears are a total disaster, and the, the way that game ended is just so fucking embarrassing. But it's another game where, like. They were in a position with Trubisky to win. You know, they won a bunch of games that he played early. He, he did it again. Them. I know, but they he were puts up in a... ten with two minutes to go. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm not, I'm not advocating betting the Bears. I'm just saying he does make that offense more competent, maybe throughout the. No, course you're, game. you're definitely right. I mean, I, I do think the Bears is the right side. I, I just, I'm so tired of uh, just getting burned by them. Uh, oh, but never. It's, it's, they're definitely going to cover this week. I don't know. I mean, I kind of like the. I, I honestly like the Texans in the game. I just wanted to make the point on Trubisky. Busy slate on Sunday. Who was the player who you guys said was announcing that one game a few weeks ago, and he was really entertaining? Talib. Talib. Um, the full slate of games this week, and I don't see him out there anywhere. It's the same old crappy teams that we have. It seems like there's there's more bad announcing teams around the league, or just vanilla. Are we sure he's not on a roster somewhere this week? <laughs> Maybe he's on somebody's COVID practice squad, the Justin case squad. Back in Denver is their quarterback. Yeah. I mean, I, I would solely take a game if he was if he was announcing it. <laughs> we didn't talk about the Thursday night game, which is the Rams laying five at home against the Pats. I I would be all over the Rams. And that's so square, but like you, you guys yeah. have so much Patriots hate this year. They're one game behind Tom Brady and the Bucks right now. I think. <laughs> it, it, it's it's Belichick's like amazing. It, it's incredible. He really stuck it to me on Sunday, and I respect him for it. And I always will. All right, here's where we stand. Uh, we got a lot of games here in the mix, so we got to do a little bit of whittling. But I've written down Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Las Vegas, Seattle, Arizona, Jacksonville, Miami, Green Bay, the Chargers, and then a separate group of, no, I guess it's just Dallas off to the side of that group. I didn't remember where we landed quite on that game. Yeah, I don't. I don't need to to force Dallas unless, again, if it's going to be Ryan Finley, then I'd, I'd be a little bit more intrigued. I just don't know what the quarterback situation is right now. Okay. What about some of those other games? What are your? I guess don't tell me your favorites. Just any games that that maybe after hearing them all together, you like the least of the bunch. Definitely don't need to force Miami. Um, yeah, that's that's what stood out to be, me. It's going to be. It could be popular. Okay, I'll get them out of there. Any other one that I mean, like I, I still like. Arizona, but it does feel the game feels mm-hmm. very much like a toss up. Okay. The one I thing I kind of like, I feel like with Daniel Jones coming back, which it sounds like he will, that uh, people are going to think, oh, well, the Giants played great la- last weekend and they get the quarterback back. And I'm just not, that sounds like it's setting mm-hmm. up for disappointment as a Giants fan. Yeah. Well, we don't, I don't need to force it. it I'm excited to watch the game. So, do we want to do a pod lock this week? Or are we banning that? Got to stick with it. <laughs> All right, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Las Vegas, Seattle, Jacksonville, Green Bay, and the Chargers. I don't see me coming off of of Pittsburgh or I think even Green Bay at this point would be my two favorites. What do you think, Trev? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I could see myself later in the week ultimately balking at seven and a half with the Packers. So I'd probably lean Pittsburgh as the safest lock. But they do have injury situations that are worrisome. Yeah, I'm not sure if I'm ready to, to lock that game yet. I don't know what I lock. I'm not, I can't lock the Jags. You guys are going to have to talk me into that. I'm sorry. No, that's fair. 
Um, I, I guess the the other two that would be in the running for me for lock are the Ravens or the Chargers. Or would, the Raiders. I'd be Sorry. fine with the Ravens. <laughs> the Chargers yeah. is that's a that's a tricky one. Oh God, Monday night. How do we keep doing this? <laughs> Those guys are so annoying. I mean, at least it's like a it's a really good coach. Oh, and, we got Vinovich in that game too. Yeah, I love that. Oh, Vin, Vinovich is just no nonsense. No he nonsense. He's gets a good, to the point. Yeah. Yep. All right, Baltimore Podlock. You guys good? Do it. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. All right. Starting off with a road fave. Here we go. <laughs> Something's got to work. <laughs> short, short road fave. Short road fave. Yeah, I agree. All right, so that that's our mix. Podcastpicks.co on Sunday. If you want to revisit our picks from last week that we didn't touch on, you can you can check them out there. Mark, you left us with a uh, dandy of a trivia question. Yeah. So the question I had asked was, who is the only NFL team to never go nine and seven? And a friend of ours, Ian Halverson, chimed in and came up with the Carolina Panthers, which turns out is correct, but wasn't the team I was thinking of. And I, I did uh, go back and check. So there's a second team that has also got uh, not gone nine and seven yet. Curious if you guys want to take a stab at it before I get to the answer. I have no, I, I've no. The, the Panthers was the one I came up with and I stopped looking after I confirmed that. So yeah. I don't, I don't so know. The answer I was looking for was the San Francisco 49ers. It's a little surprising, but I guess if you think about their history, they were either really good in the 80s and then uh, I guess in the 90s too, they were really good and then they kind of faltered off for a while. So I don't know. It was kind of surprising. Wow. It's it's hard for me to believe that any team that's been around that long has not gone 9-7. and seven. They're they're in the mix to go 9-7 and seven this year, right? What's their record? Yeah. No, yeah. They're, they're, yeah. I think they're 5-7 and seven or 6-6. Six, six and six. I can't remember. Could be the year for the Niners. Little do they know. <laughs> To fill out the trivia question. All right, that's a really good one. I would have never guessed the 49ers. I thought I my initial guess was the Texans, and I looked it up, and they went nine and seven like four years in a row. So that shows what I know. Uh, what do you got for us this week? For for you guys, let's see where we want to go. Let's go. There are seven players, sorry, eight players that have won both the Heisman Trophy and the NFL MVP. Can you name them? Uh, we did the. Didn't we do Heisman Trophy and Super Bowl MVP? So where was the overlap there? Uh, Marcus Allen would probably be one. Yep. Peyton Manning. Not a Heisman winner. Oh, you nope. didn't win the Heisman. Win the, That's, right. That's right. Woodson won that year. Uh, Lamar Jackson. Yep. It's two. OJ. OJ Simpson is three. <laughs> Cam. Cam Newton. Trav, on a roll. Yeah, my mind's totally went blank. You're, you're nailing it. Yeah, it's probably as far as I go. So you got four. It's got to be older, right? Uh, seeing two running backs, a quarterback, and, and a guy I actually don't know what position he played. How many so are there? Two more, two more running backs? There's eight in total. Uh, two more running backs, one quarterback, and uh, I don't know this guy. This guy's before our era, so I don't expect you to get him. Mm, two more running backs. Uh, I'm trying to think of the last running back to... Adrian Peterson didn't win the Heisman, right? No. 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 Won an MVP. Archie Griffin? Uh, nope, not Archie. Just two Heismans. Barry Sanders? Yeah. He won an MVP? Yeah. Nice. He he shared it with uh, Favre one year. Mm. And Another he had 2,000 yards in a, in a season once. Actually broke it against the Jets. He, he got over 2,000 against the Jets week 6, 17. Do you have a clue for the... Uh, sorry, for the other ones, uh, the running back was an oiler. Earl Cut. Campbell? Yeah. Ooh. And then the... Stahlbeck? Uh, and Stahlbeck. Yeah, nice. So wow. that's seven of the eight. And then the, the eighth, which I don't expect you guys to get, is Paul Horning. Oh, he um, just passed away. Just passed away. Oh, did he? Oh, I didn't pick up on that. Man, we're bringing a full circle with the RIPs tonight. Yeah. Ray Damn. Perkins and Paul Horning. Paul Horning, a uh, Heisman Trophy winner at Notre Dame, I believe. And then won a Super Bowl with the Packers. Two Super yep. Bowls with the Packers. Yeah. Yep. So was he a quarterback? I believe he was a halfback. He was a quarterback in college, I think. I'm pretty sure he was also a kicker, too. You know how they do back then. Yeah. 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 All right. Nice job. I'm I'm impressed. Um, That's a tough list. Uh, So for for the listeners this week, my question for you guys is, who are the only two quarterbacks to win a Super Bowl in their first year as starters? I think I got So So does this mean that they they started? Is that too easy? Like they had to start out the year as the starter? 
Uh, no, they just in their first year as starters. Uh, yeah, no, they didn't start the year as a starter. In okay. Their first year as starters. I mean, is, is that too easy? One's really, yeah, might be too easy. I mean, okay. Brady's one, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Do, do you guys want to take a stab at who the other is? Well, I was originally thinking Roethlisberger. It's not. It was year it's not. two. They won fifteen and yep. one, but they they lost playoffs. But that was the first year he started the game one. That's what I thought we were going. All right, so uh, we'll let we'll, the we'll, we'll, we'll second one marinate. Okay, that's good. Because right now I have a few ideas, but nothing. I don't want to just start running off Stedler? names. Not not Jeff. No, nah, right. not Jeff. Too much Jeff last week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we got Baltimore as our podlock. Uh, podlocks were doing pretty well until last week. Pittsburgh, Las Vegas, Seattle, Jacksonville, Green Bay, and the Chargers with a pass on the Dallas Ryan Finley situation. So time to uh, go 5-0. and Podcastpicks.co on Sunday to see our picks. And uh, only three more of these after this. So enjoy your NFL football. Enjoy the red zone. Enjoy all the games. And we'll talk to you next week.